Good day, friends. This is Pastor Ray Kozek, and you're listening to Jesus in the Center One Year Bible Podcast. And this podcast is brought to you by St. Paul Lutheran Church in Clarence Center, New York. Today is day number 12. Woo! So, how are you? Are you learning, growing? Are you keeping up with the readings? Are you beating yourself over the head because you're behind? Whatever. Uh, just keep keep at it. Uh, I like to say, hey, if you miss breakfast and lunch, you don't have to eat breakfast and lunch before you eat dinner. But if you're disciplined and you want to catch every word of this Bible as we're reading it, then that's your personal challenge. Go for it. The Lord will help you. Don't expect yourself to be perfect, but expect the Lord to be perfect. He will help you. All right, so today, as we jump into these readings, uh, Genesis 26 and 27, uh, Matthew chapter 8, Psalm 10, and Proverbs 3, there's a lot here. The main thing we're going to focus on is Genesis 27. But leading up to that, we see the story of Isaac in Genesis 26. We saw yesterday where he struggled to, with the sin of his father, where when he's in this place where he's a little afraid uh, and there's uh, enemies, he says of his wife, you're my sister. Just say you're my sister. That way they're not going to kill me. right? And so that's the same thing his father had done two times. But anyway, the Lord had prospered him nonetheless, and he had this amazing crops there, and um, they... Uh, and he settled down for a while, but then there's a dispute over over the wells, and so they um, he keeps moving further and further away, trying not to have conflict. Finally, he digs a well and calls it Rehoboth because it means room. There's room now, and there's no conflict. We're not fighting over the wells. And then he goes to Beersheba. This is the place where the Lord had appeared to Hagar and had also to his father Abraham, and after this time of conflict, God again comes to him and, and says, this is uh, chapter 26, verse 23 and 24. He says, I am the God of Abraham, your father. This is the first time where God shows up and, and doesn't say, I am Yahweh. He says, I am the God of your father. So not he doesn't really say his name, more like he says what he has done. He has been the God, the Lord, the master of his father. And he says, fear not. For I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. Isaac has faith. He responds. He builds an altar. He calls upon the name of the Lord and he, and he lives there. And um, they dug a well and, and all that. And then, then we see that the uh, where he had left, there was Abimelech. And again, probably that's the name of uh, like a title of the, the king there and the king of Philistine area. And they come out, and the reason I mention this is because they want to make a sworn pact, and they call it also a covenant. They exchange oaths. Thinking here, in this context, this is this is how you do things legally. You make a covenant. You literally cut a covenant, and the pieces that you cut, the ones uh, you're you're basically calling upon yourself a curse. If I break this covenant, let me be like these pieces of of animals that we cut in two, um, and so. Uh, they ratify the covenant with a meal, which is important. We're going to see that in the next chapter. Uh, and so the words that they speak, they're, they're promises that cannot be broken. And that, in our culture, you know, we, we have a handshake. Uh, my buddy Rich built a house for me and, and then was renting it. And, and for years, we just had a handshake agreement. Um, later on, to get a mortgage, we had to, uh, so I could get a mortgage for my current house. I had to have some paperwork. My, the handshake was not good enough for the mortgage company, my new mortgage company. And um, so we, we had to go beyond the handshake, even though for us the handshake was enough. So it is here in this culture. The swearing an oath 
is it's unbreakable. It's uh, you're as, you're as good as your word, and uh, it cannot be revoked. And so we see that in this next chapter. So remember, in chapter 26, uh, that Rebecca gets a word from the Lord. You know, when these the two babies are at conflict already in her womb, and she hears from the Lord. Um, I'm going to read this. This is going back to chapter 25, verse 23. It's important. She went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So one is definitely stronger. You know, physically it's going to be Esau. He's uh, he's ruddy. He's he's strong. He loves the outdoors. But it says that that the older one, that one, shall serve the younger. So we think here of this promise that going all the way back to Genesis 3, a redeemer will come, right? Genesis 3:15. And then in Genesis 12 and so many other times, God said, the Lord said, Yahweh said, it will come through Abraham. And then it was clear that it, it would come through Abraham and then then to who? To his servant uh, or through uh, the son of his concubine, Ishmael? No. God said it would come through your son Isaac. Isaac, your very own beloved son. And so now Isaac is having sons. Which son will this promise come to? This The promise of the land, of, of uh, the nation, of divine blessing, and, and again, of the Redeemer. Where will he come from? Or will, where will he come through? You would think he would come through Esau. He's the oldest. But Esau has uh, a pretty poor character. He is, so does, so does Jacob, by the way. Uh, both of these guys have, have their problems. Um, Esau's problem is that, you know, he um, he's a man in some ways of, of uh, well, he sold his birthright, right? And later on in Hebrews, that's looked on as, you know, he uh, almost almost immoral in the sense of um, just giving in to temptation, right? Um, it says, don't be sexually immoral like Esau who sold his birthright just for such a little pittance, you know, a little bit of red stew. Um, so we also see at the end of chapter 26 um, that Esau chose two, not just one, right, but two um, Canaanite, they have Canaanite names, they're called Hittites um, or, or Hethites, some, some translations, two women who are uh, not of faith. And um, later on we see, in, I think it's Genesis 36, when, when Esau's line is, is, um, is discussed, the one wife, Judith, is not mentioned. Maybe, you know, divorce was a part of this. So it says that um, they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. So Esau not only sold his birthright, he didn't think much of it, like his inheritance that he would get from his father. He also didn't think much about honoring his father. You know, dad, what kind of, mom and dad, what kind of wife would you like me to marry? No, he he just finds his own. In fact, he finds two. So Esau's character is is pretty poor. But anyway, in, in Genesis 27, we see uh, Isaac is old. This is verse 1. How old? It doesn't tell us. It seems like he's on the verge of death. We could piece it together, and I kind of did this homework, extra credit for myself. And and scholars think, based on all the different verses that we'll read about later, that he's probably about 137 years old. So he's old. Uh, he thinks he's going to die. He he actually is going to live another 43 years after this, but it seems like he's on the verge of death. So what does he have to do as the patriarch on the verge of death? He has to pass on the 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 head of the the clan, 
you know, who's going to be the leader of the clan, he has to officially pass this on um, to one of his sons. And so what he will say, this, he's basically going to make a covenant with one of his sons. So in the previous chapter, chapter 26, he makes a covenant with Abimelech and, and a couple of the guys with him. And, and that was an unbreakable covenant. Now, now he's going to make a covenant with his uh, son to pass on the clan, the, the rulership of the clan. Uh, and of course, there's some other things that go in here. So we see here that um, that Isaac wants to pass it on to Esau, right? It's his favorite son. And uh, he's a lot like him. He's ruddy. He's, he's handsome. He's strong. He loves to hunt. And um, he, I, Isaac is not remembering the word from the Lord. So this is where I was going. Remember the word of the Lord? It says, the older shall serve the younger. That, that this, that God had made it clear to Rebecca, and I suppose also to Isaac, that the line of blessing is supposed to go through the younger. Well, Esau, or Isaac doesn't want any part of that. He wants to bless his son Esau because he's strong. And so we see here in this, uh, this chapter that Rebecca and Isaac both trick, um, you know, they trick Isaac. And Isaac ends up blessing the uh, the younger son, not knowing it. He thinks he's blessing Esau. Instead, he's blessing um, Jacob. So here, I'm going to read the blessing. It says this. Um, this is verse 26. Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. And so this is just part of the this rite um, of blessing, of transferring ownership. He came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. So that's the beginning of the blessing. Um, the Lord has blessed you. And then he goes on and says, May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. In other words, may God bless your tribe forever with all the, we could say in our terms, all the daily bread you could ever want. He says, Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. So this is a political authority. And he goes on, be Lord over your brothers. Right? He only has one brother, but it's thinking more in broader terms like the Shemites. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. In other words, he's saying here, he thinks he's saying to Esau, may your, your brother Jacob serve you. No, but he's actually saying something that's the opposite. And then lastly, he says this, Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. That should sound familiar. That is from the covenant that God uh, said with Abraham, starting in, in Genesis 12, 3, and then going on many other times, um, that God would bless all the families of the earth um, through Abraham and his line. Here it comes to Isaac, and then now to Jacob. And, um, you know, this came through deceit. I just want to um, pause for a second and, and share an amazing listener question, which I don't have all, all the answers to, but here's the question. It says, uh, Dan in North Clarence writes, why couldn't Isaac either retract his blessing or give Esau another one? Esau another one. It seems injustice in the Old Testament was common and even blessed by God sometimes. Well, this is a two-part question, it seems like. Why couldn't Isaac retract it? Well, here's the thing. Um, after this episode of blessing, um, Esau then comes in, right? He's done done the thing that his father wanted. He, he, he got the wild game and he, he's made the dinner and, he, and now he's coming in um, to receive the blessing of the inheritance uh, of the, the clan leadership from his father. Well, 
he he figures this out and he's shaking with rage. Isaac is so mad that he's been tricked by his son Jacob. And so, um, why doesn't he change his mind? Well, on one hand, uh, what he has done, like we said in the previous chapter with the oaths and, and the, um, the covenants, this kind of thing can't be undone. It's like your last will and testament and then you died. You can't come back from the grave and change it. No, actually give uh, 10 more percent to this son instead of that one. No, it's done. Um, in this culture, it's it's irrevocable. And we see this in Hebrews too as well, that um, the irrevocable nature of the covenant um, is, is important. Now, would Isaac have wanted to change it? Yes, but perhaps, perhaps here he comes to his senses and remembers the word of God that came to Rebekah and to him when, when Rebekah was still pregnant, that the older shall serve the younger. So he says, um, he says this, Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came. And I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. In other words, um, like, like um, Pilate, what I've done, I've done, right? What I've written, I've written. It, it can't be changed. Uh, and so uh, the, the blessing will, this is a fulfillment of prophecy that the older will serve the younger, that the blessing will come through Jacob, even though, and, and rightly here, I think, Esau is, is pretty mad. And he says, um, you know, he has cheated me these two times. He's taken away my birthright. Um, what does he say? Um, I forget where it is exactly, but basically, yeah, his name is Jacob. Rightly have you named his, him Jacob, right? And so on a word play here in Hebrew, the word Jacob means to protect, but you just change it slightly and it means to deceive, um, you know? So uh, it's an interesting, you know, he is a deceiver. And was that good? No. Did God use it? Did God allow that deception for a good cause? Yes. If, if Rebecca and Jacob had trusted God, would God have worked it out somehow uh, to get the blessing to him rather than to Esau? Yeah. How? We don't know. We don't know that part of the story. We just know that both Rebecca and Jacob took it in their own hands. So the blessing came through the deceit. And I was thinking about this. Well, and this is for me later on uh, more, but this wasn't good necessarily, even though it was it was bound to happen because God said it would, but because of the deceit, these things happened. So, um, number one, Jacob never saw his wife. I'm sorry, Jacob never saw his mom Rebecca again. He has to flee after this. Number two, Esau, his brother, wanted to kill him. Number three, his uncle Laban or Laban deceived him, right? And he's he himself is victim to the deceit that he is, you know, that's a part of him. Number four, his family life is full of conflict. And number five, he is exiled from his family for a long time. Uh, thankfully, we'll see that uh, he does reconcile with his brother Esau. But at this point, his brother wants to kill him. And, uh, you know, for good reason. Well, that's Genesis 26-27. Hope, uh, hope it makes you think. Uh, I don't have a question, Dan, just yet. For your second part, it seems injustice in the Old Testament was common. Well, I will. We can say that. I don't know about injustice. Um, we going back to Genesis. Uh, I forget the chapter um, where where Abraham is is standing before the Lord, and he says, "Won't the Judge of all the earth do what is right?" Uh, 
So if there is injustice, and there is, it's not on the part of God. Um, God is just. He is the judge, the just one in all the earth, and he will do what is right. Will he use evil at times? Yeah, because he's going to use all of us, and we do evil things, and his plan will work out in the end. Um, but the blessing had to come through Jacob, and part of that is just because that's what God chose. God chose the both with Isaac and then his son Jacob. Both of them are not the firstborns of their father, and so it's kind of this uh, this recurring theme of um, God is not going to choose the strongest, the oldest. You know, think of of David. He's the eighth son of his father, right? He's not tall. He's not strong. He's not the firstborn. God chooses that which we would not, right? And which we should rejoice in because not all of us, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 1, not all of us are strong. Not, not all of us are from noble families. Not all of us are the rich of the earth. He chose that which is weak. And we can rejoice because we are weak. Well, that's a great segue. I'm glad we got there to, to our reading in Matthew chapter 8. I just want to talk about just briefly, in, oh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 9, um, Jesus gets out of the boat, he comes back, and he talks to two paralyzed guys, right? Um, you're thinking, wait, I only read one. Well, the first one, we rejoice in that Jesus sees this paralyzed man, and he says, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Now notice, they didn't bring this paralyzed man to Jesus because he was a sinful man. They bring this man to Jesus because he's paralyzed, right? He can't sit up. He can't walk. And so they bring him, and Jesus forgives his sins. And we're thinking, what? Is he misguided? No. No, not at all. This is his first need, as it is for me and for you. Our first need is to be forgiven. If also we are healed, thanks be to God, right? So Jesus uses this as an opportunity to show that he, the Son of Man, has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he proves it. He proves it by saying, rise up, take up, take your mat, go home. Now re- now think about this man rejoiced, right? None, not only does he get what he really desired, he can walk again, right? Which is such a beautiful gift that we all take for granted. But also, even a better gift, he, he knows, he knows that his sins are forgiven. He what, are, what a day to rejoice. So we can rejoice in that too. So that's that's one paralyzed man that we can rejoice with. But there's a second paralyzed man in this story. It doesn't seem like it though in first reading. This is more of a theological understanding. Look at verse 9. It says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. And there's a period there. That's a big period. A man named Matthew is sitting at the tax collector's booth. Think of how this man is paralyzed. Like, you're like, well, he's not. Well, not physically, but spiritually, this man, Matthew, is paralyzed. He's, he's Jewish, and he has sold out his people. Why? For dishonest gain. He is a traitor, right? I say this a lot of times, IRS, uh, and this, these days are independent Roman scum. He's Jewish, but he's working for the Romans and, you know, skims off the top. He's protected by them. He's despised by his people. He's sold out for dishonest gain. And he doesn't see a way out. There's no way out. There's no way of making this better. The the life he has chosen is the life he must keep. It has some perks, but overall it's a horrible life. Until Jesus comes along and says these 
amazing words to a man that everyone would say is a sinner, a sinful man, right? He says, follow me. And these words of power, just like, let there be light, and there was light, follow me, and he's able to get up. And thanks be to God that Jesus says the same things to me and to you. Reiko, follow me. I can't in myself, but I hear those words, and I start walking. Reminds me of Larry Norman. He was one of the first Christian rock rock and roll guys. And he has this line in the song that says, um, Don't ask me for answers. I've only got one. That when a man leaves the darkness, he follows the sun. Woo-wee! Hope you like that, because I do. That's a great reminder for me today. All right. Well, then we also have Psalm 10, the end of it. Uh, The two questions that came up before in Psalm 10 is, Why, Lord? Why? Why do you wait so long to avenge? Arise, O Lord. And then we see here the answer to that is is to acknowledge and confess the Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his from his hand. And this is a fulfillment of what God said uh, to Isaac, right? Remember in the blessing that I'm sorry, that God said through Isaac to Jacob. Right? Remember he says, Let the peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Are they gonna bow down to Jacob? No. Are they going to bow down to Jacob's son, Jacob's greater son, Jesus? Yes, Jesus is Lord, right? That's our confession. So that's a beautiful thing. And it says, uh, goes on, and uh, Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them. You listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed, so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. So unlike Jacob, who's full of deceit, the one who had come through him, it would be the one that we can all cry out to, the one who will defend the fatherless, the oppressed, the one who will strike terror in evil itself. Thanks be to God. And then lastly, like um, Matthew was able to do, we can, this is Proverbs 3, we can honor the Lord with our wealth, with our first fruits of all of our crops. Then our barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So beautiful promises there for us to, to cling to. Well, I hope today's readings were encouraging to you. Um, May the Lord bless you and keep you. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.